appreciate it. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you ready to get in the Word of God? Amen. Amen. You know, I love, I really do, I love the Word of God. And um, I'll tell you this right now is if, if you want a real close personal relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to be in the Word. So God showed me this years ago. I, it, reading the Bible is much more than just reading the stories and the instructions of the Lord. Uh, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Amen. Everybody say, was God. Was God. Amen. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this helped me years ago, amen, when, I, when God showed me this, he said, it really spoke in my heart and said, if you want to know me, you have to know the word. You want to have a relationship with Jesus, you got to have a relationship with the word. The word became flesh, amen, and the word is a living word. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive, alive, amen. How many know the word of God is living and powerful, the Word of God, amen, is the key. In fact, the, the, the Bible teaches us throughout the, uh, uh, the, how God spoke to the prophets, and he'd say, I put my word in your mouth. And it's the Word of God. There's the power of God that's found in his Word, and that Word changes us and challenges us. And, and so when we come, amen, to, to hear the preaching of the Word, it's not, I want to hear a new story, or I need to hear something in a different way. It's Jesus, show me what you're saying right now. What I've noticed is that um, when I begin to preach on certain things sometimes, I'll notice that other pastors all over are preaching similar things. In fact, concerning the end times. Right now, I want you to know, I, have, I was preaching uh, this sermon series earlier in the year, back in January, and I had a brother come up to me afterwards, and he said, he goes, Pastor, did, did you just listen to so-and-so preach? I said, no, I, I don't think I've ever hear, heard him preach before. He goes, man, he said, I just listened to a sermon that he preached this last Sunday. It was exactly the same warnings that you were preaching out of the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, you can bring, anybody can preach a sermon, but not everybody brings a word. You see, there's a difference between preaching a sermon and bringing a word to the people. The, 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 the ministry of a pastor is not, I want to preach something, a sermon that's going to make people go ooh, ah, and come back. Amen. But the job of the pastor, in fact, many, most people make a mistake. Sometimes they think everybody behind the pulpit is a pastor, even if he's pastoring a church. Sometimes we're not standing here as a pastor. We're standing here as a prophet. And a prophet, amen, we always think of a prophet as someone who is saying, uh, uh, this is what's going to happen in the future. Do you know the majority of all prophets uh, would, were just speaking a word from the Lord to the people? Thus says the Lord. And so God has given a prophetic word here at the beginning of 2014. I'm telling you, he's been speaking it throughout of his churches all across the world. And that is, get ready. Get ready. The Lord is coming. Amen. I believe this without a doubt. I've, I, I know what it is to, to have heard sermons. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And you know what? Sometimes we think, well, I've heard that 20 years ago. Well, you know, 20 years ago is like two seconds to God. It ain't a long time to the Lord, amen? A day to the Lord is like a thousand years. So a, uh, 10 years is not, not very much time to God, amen? 
But what I do know is that there's something being stirred up and that God is getting ready to do something in the world. Whether it's the rapture that's about to happen, whether it's the uh, birth pangs of the, of the tribulation, whatever it is, things are about to happen quickly. Prophetically, I'm saying to you today, amen, be ready. Watch and be ready because things are about to start happening quickly. I remember in the early 1990s, how many remember the Soviet Union? And I grew up, uh, we grew up in a fear of World War III. Uh, the Soviet Union, uh, for those of us who grew up in that time, it was, uh, it was a big thing, nuclear, nuclear war was. We we thought it could happen at any moment. The, uh, it wasn't just the Russians. We didn't call them the Russians. It was the Soviets. And um, I remember when we began to see a crack in communism. Now, did you know that we had, we had fought uh, the Vietnam War? We had fought Korean War. We had saw wars in Grenada. We have seen uh, wars all over in Afghanistan and everything trying to stop communism from spreading across the globe. And we thought communism was going to be around for a long time, and it still is. Don't get me wrong. The Chinese and the North Koreans and others are still very much communistic, but no one ever thought communism would fall in Europe and in Russia. And I remember when there first began, the Russian uh, 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 president, Mikhail Gorbachev, decided that they was going to institute some uh, 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 freedoms in Russia. And they were going to begin to have some freedoms. And I remember reading many stories about how they said that it will take decades for communism to switch over to a free market. Decades. They thought it would take 20 to 30 years for these things to happen. And I remember that uh, the moment it was like a domino, the moment uh, they made one step towards free markets, it happened within a year and a half. Bam, 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 bam. Just quickly, we saw Ukraine. We saw uh, uh, Kiev and all these different places. Uh, the whole Soviet empire just kind of disintegrated. And within a year and a half, uh, there was no more communism in Eastern Europe. It happened quickly. I remember thinking, how did this happen so quickly? It was, it was it just overnight, it seemed like. And I, and, and I remember when the very first talks of it were going on, all of, the, all of the leaders, all of the pundits, everybody, all the experts said this will take decades. But how many know that uh, things can happen much quicker than we think? You see, this is the way things happen in the world. They happen quickly. God is on the move. Things are going to start happening quickly. And I want you to mark our words, amen, mine and others, your pastor and others who have been preaching concerning the end times. Uh, you keep your eyes open, and you're going to start seeing things happening quickly in the world. Things are getting stirred up. Things are going to start happening quickly in the Middle East. Right now, it's been quiet for many years. Not a lot's been going on over there. Get ready. You're going to start hearing a lot of stuff that's going to start happening in the Middle East, especially concerning the Palestinians and the Jews. It's going to become a major thing. Iran, we've kind of, uh, they've kind of fallen off the radar just a little bit. But I believe things are going to start moving quickly because we're in the last days. And church, one of the, the, the things concerning the last days is God is trying to uh, stir us up and wake us up. And what does the Bible say in Amos chapter 3? And you can turn with me to Luke chapter 21 where our text is going to be. But in Amos chapter 3 verse 7, 
The scripture says, surely the Lord does nothing, listen to this, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. God is revealing his secrets of the end times, things that he is about to do. God is always revealing to his people. Now, you would say, well, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of Christians. God is trying to reveal to all his people, but guess what? If you're asleep, if you are deaf spiritually, if you are spiritually blind, you're not going to hear what the Lord is saying. And this is the strategy of the devil. The strategy of the devil is to blind, to cause the Christians to be spiritually deaf, amen, to be asleep spiritually, so we will not hear what the voice of the prophets is. The other problem is nobody wants to hear the voice of the true prophet. They want to hear the voice of the false prophet. I was reading an article. They said that in Israel, all the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Elijah, didn't matter who they were, the prophets were hated and despised and killed and imprisoned. But afterwards, when their prophecies came true, they became heroes. Heroes after they were villains. All, all the time, amen, they, they would say, we don't want to hear what you have to say. Can't you say anything good? How many know, amen, nobody wants to hear? Our nation is about to fall. Our economy is about to crash. Amen, uh, judgment is coming. Nobody wants to hear those things. I remember as I read the Old Testament, and the prophets, uh, how tough it was for them. No one wanted to listen. But what does the Bible say? God, amen, does nothing unless he reveals the secret to his prophets and then his prophets begin to preach. But only those who have ears to hear and eyes to see will hear and see and respond and get ready. And so the question this, this evening is, are you really ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready for the birth pangs of the great tribulation? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord. We've got to get ready, amen? I want to read you in just a moment in Luke chapter 21, but before I read in Luke 21, I want to read a verse of scripture out of the book of uh, Timothy. And in the book, uh, I mean, First Thessalonians. In First Thessalonians, in fact, you can turn with me there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's talking about the rapture. Now, you're going to hear some people will say things like, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. How many have ever heard that one? The word rapture is not in the Bible. Not in English. Not in English, but it is in Latin. Amen. How many know now the Bible is written in both Hebrew and in uh, Greek? But they translated the Bible into Latin, and the word where he says, uh, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, uh, it is a Greek word, har or harpazo, or harpazo, amen, and it means to be caught up or snatched up, but in Latin it is rapturo. So in English it's caught up, in Greek it's harpazo, but in Latin it is rapturo, where then you take the 
Latin word rapturo, and you make it the English word rapture. So the word rapture is in the Bible. Amen? But it's many times I've heard people say, well, you know, that's not even in the Bible. Well, this is where we get it from. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, for this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or who those who have died in Christ. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. But... Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. What he's saying is, hey, you guys already know about times and seasons. Didn't we? That's what we talked about this morning. Can you not discern the times? Can you not discern the times? Do you think God is going to uh, uh, pull a fast one on us? It's not like God is in heaven saying, I'm going to wait till they're all asleep, and then we're going to just, I want to see how many I can leave behind. Those little... Those little sinners, I'm going to teach them. That's not God's plan. Amen. God's plan is to, to bring as many as he can. To, but, but, the, but the problem is not everybody is looking up. Look up. Your redemption draws nigh. What the world is doing is saying, don't look up. Look here. Don't look up, man. We want you to look here. Look over here what we've got. The world is putting us to sleep. Like I was saying this morning, it's a spiritual drug. It's a sorcery. Amen. You know, that's what they do when they want to put someone and hypnotize them. Look right here. Look right here. Look right here. Let me just put you to sleep now. That's what the world is doing. Don't love the world or the things in the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you, the Scripture says. He goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now I want you to underline that there or mark that in verse 3, they shall not escape. I want you to know something. I believe in this thing called escape theology. There's some who will not escape, and there will some who will escape. What are we going to escape? The great tribulation, the wrath of God. Amen? Now, there are birth pangs that happen before the birth. How many know that? You ladies who've ever gave birth, mm, you don't like that feeling, do you? I've watched uh, all of my kids born. And I felt so sorry for my wife. Amen. I really did. I said, baby, I'm right here. She blamed me for most every pain that she had. And I was secretly thanking God that I was not a woman. Amen. <laughs> it's a lot. It's pain. Amen. But those pains, when they start coming, when they start coming, and they get closer, and they get closer, and they get closer. How many know the closer they get, the closer the baby is. Birth pangs are starting to happen in the world today. But you know what? We're not looking for signs. The church is not looking for signs. People
people in the church today are looking at their life. They're looking at the, their problems. They're looking at the cares of this world. They're, they're looking at the entertainment or I want something, I need this. And we're not looking hard enough or long enough to know the day of the Lord is getting close. He says, they shall not escape. Who is they? I believe it's the unbelievers and the lukewarm. But listen what he says in verse 4. But you, brethren, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. How many know the thief in the night is for those who don't know the thief is coming? But we are supposed to know. How do we know? Because the Lord does not do anything that he does not reveal to his prophets. And the word is going forth if you'll start listening. I mean, if you want to listen, there's so many preachers out there, they'll tickle your ears and tell you how great you are and how wonderful you are and how every day should be the weekend and, and uh, how, you know, there should be no problems. Listen, I like, I, like, I like good days. Don't get me wrong. I'm not this type of preacher that would want to beat you up. But I know one thing. The Bible is not telling me there won't be any problems. The Bible tells me there's birth pangs that are coming. There's tribulation that's coming. There's persecution that's coming. Amen. There are problems and there are signs. And I'm not going, oh my, oh my, oh my. I'm saying, thank God, thank God, thank God. The Lord is coming. Amen. Maranatha, even come quickly, Lord. It's coming soon. He goes on to say, you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Amen. That means being self-controlled. Let's watch and be sober. Let's not sleep. That's what we read earlier. Amen. This morning. Amen. In Romans where he says, awake out of your slumber. Wake up. Amen. There needs to be a spiritual awakening. And that's my job as a pastor and a prophet. Amen. Is to wake up the church. And your job is to take on that mantle and wake up the people in your life and in your world. Get them awake. Amen. But you can't wake someone up if you're not awake. We're spiritual slumber. The church is asleep, amen. How many, how, are we, how many know if the watchman is asleep, he won't be there to warn the people of what's coming. And the Bible teaches us in Ezekiel, amen, that we're the watchmen. We're the watchmen, amen, on the wall. And he says, uh, you've got to give them a warning. Not lull them to sleep with a Christian lullaby. That's what's going on in the church world today. That's what's really going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense going on. But you know what? The Bible tells us this is going to happen. Did you know one? When you read all scriptures in the New Testament concerning end times, there is two major themes. Two major themes in whether you're reading it in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, whether you're reading in 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, 1st, uh, it doesn't matter. What you're going to find is these two themes, false prophets and deception. In fact, in Matthew 24, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth when they said, Lord, tell us when these things are going to happen. He said, be aware that no one deceive you. Do you know what the word deception means? Some people think deception is a lie. Well, it is in a sense a lie, but it's the worst kind of lie. You see, if, if somebody said this, Jesus is coming back, and somebody said, no, he's not. That's never going to happen. 
How many know that's easy to, to deal with? That kind of lie can say, you're smacked out of your head, man. But deception is, when I say Jesus is coming back, deception is defined as watering down of truth. Watering down the truth. Yeah, I know he is, but I don't think not too soon yet. Or, yeah, he's coming, but, you know, this or that. Or, you know, let's not get people all uh, uh, stirred up. Let's, you know, let's not start doing too much preaching on this because, you know, there's been a lot of preaching and a lot of guys out there doing crazy. You see, watering down the truth is what deception is. And this is the spirit of the last days. And so what happens is we've got uh, uh, men who uh, called themselves preachers. And, and not, I don't think they're all evil uh, intent. I think they're just not full of the Holy Spirit. I think honestly, there's a lot of men out there who probably love the Lord to a degree, but they may just love the praises of men a little more. They have what the Bible calls a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. It's a sign of the last days. In the last days, he says, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's going on in the church today. We love God, but we love pleasure sometimes more. So crazy what people do. Their favorite movie comes out, they'll go stand in line. You know, they don't just want to watch it in normal theater. They're going to pay extra to watch it in 3D or they're going to big D or whatever they want to call it nowadays. Amen? Then you come to church and we're going to tip God. See, this is the world we live in. And you know what? I, I truly believe this is one of the great issues in the world that we live in is nobody is bold enough to speak truth. Everybody's afraid of offending. I was listening to Jonathan Kahn who wrote the book The Harbinger, amen, and did the Isaiah 9:10 prophecy. And did you know last year he preached at the presidential inauguration uh, prayer breakfast? You ought, to, you ought to watch it on YouTube. So last year when President Obama was inaugurated in Washington, D.C., they had a the presidential inauguration prayer breakfast. Now, the president wasn't there, of course, and not a whole lot of uh, uh, our leaders were there, but it's one of those things. How many know there's a lot of parties going on? And So they had the prayer breakfast, and Jonathan Kahn got up, and they had him do a, a sermon. He preached. I'm tell, I, I, had, I had showed this thing at church. It was a 45-minute message. He gets up there, and he says, first of all, I want you to know, he says, this message will not be politically correct, nor will it be political. And I also, then he went on and says, and I also want to apologize that I cannot apologize if you're offended. And he says, I am going to preach the word and let it fall where it will fall. I thought, man, I got stirred up. I, that dude got up and preached. I mean, there's people all in this fancy Marriott hotel, the, the big old dining room, and they're all there. And I mean, that after it was, he was done, they had a Holy Ghost revival. People began to stand and shout and praise God and, and blow trumpets. And it, it was, I thought, man, alive, we need revival. But you see, he's not afraid, amen, to get up and say, thus says the Lord. And if you're offended, I'm sorry, you're offended. Take it up with God, don't take it up with me. I'm just, I'm just speaking what the word of God says. 
The church of Jesus Christ needs its voice back. We need our voice back. The moment that we allow the devil to steal our voice, he can say what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, and there's no opposition. And so the people are led astray. The people don't want to be led astray. You know what people really want? They want someone with conviction. People want someone with conviction and faith and says, thus says the Lord, this is the way, amen, walk therein, choose you this day whom you will serve. And you can be that person with your family. We're not mean-spirited. Don't, please, don't be mean-spirited. But there's a difference between saying, thus says the Lord. This is what God is trying to get uh, your attention with. Amen. And we got to get that voice back because this is what God has called us to. He goes on to say here in 1 Thessalonians, don't sleep in verse 6, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. He goes on to say then, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God did not appoint you to wrath. God did not appoint you, amen, to the wrath of the great tribulation. God appointed you to salvation. But what we need today is we need to be awake. For the rapture of the church is around the corner. And many people think when the rapture happens because I have prayed a prayer and because I'm a Christian, I'm automatically good as gold. I got my golden ticket. But I was reading, as I began to read scriptures, I began to find out that you know what, that's not necessarily the truth. Because the scripture gives us not only, amen, he says, pray that you be counted worthy, Pray that you be counted worthy to escape. And we see that there in Luke chapter 21 where he says in verse 36, watch therefore, there's that word watch again, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now this same sermon that Jesus preached on the end times in Luke 21 is the exact same sermon that Matthew records in Matthew 24. So same sermon. It is found, amen. In fact, it was a sermon that Jesus preached just very shortly before he enters into Jerusalem and is arrested and crucified. And he starts out by saying this. They're looking around and some of the disciples say, Lord, look at the temple. It taken them decades to build this temple. And they said, look at the temple. And Jesus made a prophetic word, just, I mean, just off the cuff. There's coming a day that when not one stone will be left upon another. I didn't, now, if you were a Jew, the Jewish temple was everything. Did you know the Jewish temple was the place for Jews to find covering for sin? It's a big issue in the Jewish culture today. They had to find another way to get their sins taken care of without sacrifice because the temple has been destroyed. How many know in the Old Testament, the only way you could get your sins forgiven was by animal sacrifice? It's a problem. They, the Jewish rabbis had to come up with a new way, amen, and I'm not going to get into that tonight, but what you need to understand is that when Jesus said, uh, this temple, it'd be like you and I being in Washington, D.C. and saying, man, is this awesome? Look at that. You know, there's the Lincoln Memorial, and there's the Congress, and it'd be like me just saying, yeah, not many days from this, this whole place will be laid barren. That's what it meant to them. 
Oh, yeah, not, 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 there's coming a day very soon when this whole thing will just be an ash heap. I, I don't know about you. If, if I'm with Jesus and he said that, I'd be saying, Lord, when is this going to happen? Especially if I lived in Washington, D.C. You know, take it home. Oh, man, don't you love the skyline of Dallas? Yeah, not many days from now, it's going to be gone. And so they said, Lord, when will this happen? And he began to tell them things like, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, no, amen, all of these things. And did you know that Jesus gave that prophecy around 33 AD, and in less than 37 years it came to pass in 70 AD. In 70 AD, the general Titus brought the Roman legion army into Jerusalem, destroyed the, and broke down the walls of Jerusalem, entered in, and they destroyed the temple. It's all written in Jewish history by Josephus. Now, what's interesting is the church, how many remember Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 get saved, and pretty soon there's more than that. There's 5,000. They say by around 60 5 AD, about 30 years after, there are tens and tens of thousands of Christians in Jerusalem alone. Tens and tens of thousands. So, were they in Jerusalem when did you know how many do you know how many people were killed when Titus destroyed Jerusalem? They say in the hundreds of thousands. They murdered them, killed them. Read it. It's unbelievable. The uh, uh, ripping open women uh, who were pregnant, whipping, ripping open their stomachs, uh, uh, killing, smashing blood flowed through the streets. It was a terrible, terrible thing that happened. But Josephus, who was a leader of the rebellion originally in around 65 AD, what happened was the Jewish wanted to throw off the Roman oppression. So what they did is they started rebellion in 65 AD. And they started fighting a war with Rome. And in 69 AD, uh, Titus came, comes in and he begins to lay siege. And in 70 AD, he tears down the city. But Josephus talked him into this. He said, listen, if you, you can stop the rebels, the zealots, it was all the zealots. He said, destroy the zealots, wipe them out. The Jewish people will follow Rome again if you get rid of all of these bad seed, the zealots. But you, they will not follow you if you destroy their temple. Keep their temple. Their temple means everything to them. And if you give them mercy and keep their temple, he said, and Titus said, I will not destroy the temple. But what happened was, when they broke through the gates, all the zealots, when they were being defeated, they ran to the temple and blockaded it and got inside the temple. And how many know there's a lot of gold in the temple? All the, all the items are covered in gold. And history, it's, they say what happened was when Rome, the Roman army broke through the gates and the battle began, that a fire started in the temple and it began to burn uncontrollably. And what happened was the fire was so bad and so hot, it melted all the gold and all the gold melted and fell in between the cracks of all the stones. And the only way the Romans could get the gold was they had to tear down every stone. And that is why the prophecy of the Lord came to pass. So even though Titus wasn't planning on destroying the temple, to get the gold, he had to. And every stone was taken one down after another. You see, when Jesus says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. But here's what's really interesting is beginning in 66 A.D., 
Christians begin to desert the city of Jerusalem. Prophets begin to rise up saying, destruction is coming, destruction is coming, destruction is coming. And they begin to quote what Jesus said. And by 70 AD, Josephus writes, the city was empty of Christians. All the Christians who had lived there for those years, tens of thousands, in the, in the three to five years previous, they began to vacate the city. And when Rome attacked Jerusalem, there was no Christians. You know why? They had ears to hear. They listened to the prophets of the church. Amen. And they escaped the judgment. Because how many know the Romans didn't care whether you were Christian or not? You were, they were all Jews. And they killed hundreds of thousands of the Jews. We need to understand something. Things are about to happen in our world. Who are we listening to? Are your ear, or first of all, the question is, are you awake? Are you awake? You see, there's a spiritual slumber on the church. There's a spiritual slumber. The devil knows, hey, I want to put the Christians to sleep. I want to intimidate them. I want them to be distracted. And so we live in a world of distractions. Listen, living life is a distraction. I mean, no, going to work and running a business and, and, uh, and uh, raising a family is a distraction. How can we, in the middle of all of that, keep our eyes open and keep our ears open? It's called a deep relationship with the Lord. It's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. How many remember here in Matthew chapter 24 or 20, uh, um, 24 where it talks about the parable or tw chapter 25, the parable of the, the ten virgins? The ten virgins, these were not five Christians and five people of the world. The ten virgins were believers. All ten of them were expecting the, the king or, the, or the, the groom to come. Amen. The bridegroom to come. They were expecting him. They were ready. In fact, all ten of them trimmed their lamps and started it and said, all right. And here is the picture of this. The picture is this. If you know anything about a Jewish wedding, the way that it would work is that it's not, it's, I don't know how they do this, but we, I don't think we could do it in our culture. Amen. We got to be too ready, you know. And so, but in their culture, what would happen is a, a, a man would go and he would propose. He'd ask the father for the hand of this woman. The father would say, yes, I give her. He would, he would, he would give the dowry. So he would give the dowry for this woman. He would then be betrothed to her, what we call engagement. He would then leave and go back to his father's house, and he'd go to his father's house and begin to add on a room to his father's house in preparing to go and marry his bride. Now, here's the thing. The, the, the groom could not say, all right, I'm ready. I'm going to go get her now. I want my wife. The father of the groom was the one who would tell his son when he was ready. He would say, no, son, this is not good enough for your, for your bride. I know you're in a hurry to get married, son. I know you really, and you want to get, you want to go and grab her. Amen? All right, you got to wait. It ain't ready yet. Okay? So you, you keep on working on it, and when it's ready, I'll let you know. Don't even worry about it. I'll tell you when it's ready. I'll tell you when you go get your bride. Now, what would happen is the father then would tell the son, all right, it's ready. You can get your bride. And the son would send, the, or the groom would send his best man. And the way it was is that the bride never knew what day. She really didn't know. 
And every night, what she would do is she would take a lamp and put in her window and that lamp would burn all night long. And what it was a symbolic to everybody else's, uh, this girl's off, she, she, ain't, she ain't on the charts anymore. You don't get to uh, try to date her. She's, she's betrothed. And the light was saying, I'm ready. She would have a garment. She would have her wedding dress. And it would have to stay clean all the time, ready. It's, it's there. It's hanging. It's ready. She couldn't let any, you know, she would dust it every once in a while. She'd make sure it's ready. And, and, but she knew that he wouldn't just come knock on the door and say, here I am. How many know women that wouldn't work? <laughs> uh, what? I just woke up. So they gave her a little bit of a chance. The bridegroom, he would send his best man and, and they would come with fanfare. They would come with fanfare and they'd begin to blow trumpets and they would say, get ready. The bridegroom cometh. The bridegroom cometh. And so she would then go, oh my goodness, I got to get ready. She'd start getting ready and everything. And her, 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 her maids, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, the, uh, all of them, they would begin to trim their lamps because usually they would do it kind of right, at, right before morning break. If this was kind of the culture. They'd do it right early in the morning because they wanted an all-day activity. They loved to party, the Jewish people. They loved to, they, it's a long, weak thing, amen? It's not just one thing. And so they would come early in the morning. She'd get up, start getting ready. And the, the, uh, all of these uh, uh, virgins, they would begin to trim their lamps and, and they would get ready and they're waiting and they're waiting. And then when the, the groom shows up, they come out and they have their lamps and it's all sim symbolic. Was well, symbolic. How many of you remember? Jesus said, I go to my father's house and prepare a place for you. In my father's house, we read in the New King James, or in the King James verse says many mansions, but the word really means rooms. Or in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare one for you. That's why Jesus said, No one knows the day or the hour when I am coming, because only my father knows. Because only the father knows when it's ready. Now, he knew about the approximate time. He knew, you know, she even knew when the approximate time. And then there was a warning sign. He didn't just show up and go, bam. He sent a warning and the, the, the best man is like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts coming forward and says, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. But if you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof, how many know the Holy Spirit's the power? And if we're denying the Holy Spirit, amen, we don't hear. Or there are some who may hear, amen, like the all ten virgins, they hear, but they really are not spiritually ready because they don't have enough oil. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Oil always represents the Holy Spirit also. And so, there's something there where they're not ready. And that's why the Bible says over and over, Matthew 24, verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. What hour? You gotta watch. Amen, he goes on to say in verse 44, therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He says again in chapter 25, verse 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And oh, there's all this symbolism that we many times in our Western culture, we miss it. We don't get it. But today the Holy Spirit is crying out to his prophets and he's saying, to, in a sense, he's telling these prophets, you need to be like that best man. You're filled with me and we're gonna go forth together and we're gonna give a prophetic word. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Get ready. Get ready. 
And you're going to hear some of them, oh, here they go again. I've heard that before. Jesus is coming. Listen, I'll just, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. What do you mean you're ready? Well, I'm saved. What does it mean to be ready? I want to tell you what it means to be ready. Jesus in Matthew 25, first he gives the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And then after that, he begins to talk about those whom he had given so many talents, the parable of the talents. He says, the one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. This is found in Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. He then says here in verse 16, then he had received the, the man who had received the five talents, you know the story, he went and traded them, made five others. The man who had received two made two more, but the one who had received one put it in the ground, hid his Lord's money. When the Lord comes, the man with five talents brings him ten and says, Lord, you gave me five, I've made five more, here you are. The Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The man who had gained two made two more. The Lord said the same thing to him. The man who had made one, had one talent and did nothing with it, he said, Lord, I knew you're a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. But look, here, I've given it back to you. And the Lord answered him and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. And you know what he tells him in the end? He says, uh, verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has tens. For everyone who has more will be given, and, him who, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken. And cast this unprofitable servant to outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are some scholars today who say the outer darkness isn't as much as hell as it is the tribulation. And I'm not going to hear saying that it is or not. I, how many know either one is a pretty bad thing? Yeah. You cast into hell or you cast into uh, the tribulation and you don't make it. How many know that five virgins made it, five did not? Right. And what we need to understand is this, is the call of the Lord today is to be awake and ready. So if that's the case, my big question is, what do I have to do to be awake and ready? What is required of me? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. You have to tune your ear to the Lord. You've got, to, you, you've got to first of all be spiritually awake. You've got to stir something up inside. You've got to say, you know what? It's like if you're asleep, you've got to wake yourself up. How many have a hard time waking up in the morning? You know, if I didn't make myself get up, I could stay in bed. Now, some people can't. They've got this little alarm clock that just goes bing, and they're Hey, how's it going, man? They got a smile on their face. Well, that ain't me. My dad was like that. My dad could sleep for 30 minutes, and he'd wake up, and he could go another 10 hours. Yeah, me, man, I, we were talking about it earlier. I can't even take a nap. I'm, I'm not one of those preachers who can take a nap on Sunday. I take a nap. I go so deep into sleep, you wake me up, I start biting your head off, you know. I like just, you know, it's bad. And my wife will tell you, I'm not, I'm not a morning person. But I know I got to get up. We all have our ways of getting up, but the truth of the matter is I have to make myself get up. I have to make myself get out of bed. You have to wake yourself up, amen? You gotta say, I am not going to be spiritually asleep. I know what will keep me awake spiritually, and that's the word of God, that's the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna tell you another thing that'll keep you awake. It's being around other people who are awake. 
know, it's hard to go to sleep when you're around people who are awake. You get around dead, I mean sleeping people, spiritually dead. Some people that, and you don't know, sometimes because in the flesh they're awake. You can go to churches, you can be around other Christians, and they look like they're awake. They're just awake in their flesh, but their spirit is asleep. And if you're around people that their spirit is asleep, you're going to fall asleep spiritually. If you're listening, amen, to some preacher who is uh, giving you a sweet spiritual lullaby, he will just lullaby you to sleep spiritually. Thank God, amen, you have a pastor who shouts at you and says, wake up. We're not afraid. We're not, you know, one thing I learned long ago, either I'm going to be a God pleaser or a man pleaser. And I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you the story today, but it cost me a man to say I'm not going to be a man pleaser. I said, I'm not, I don't care. I don't care what's going to cost. I don't care who's leaving, how much money's leaving with them. I'm not going to please men. I'm going to please God. I'm not, I'm not here to offend people. I'm not here to, you know, there's some who go on the other extreme and they just think, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be radical, radical, radical. And, and listen, I'm not into that either. I'm about whatever the Lord is speaking, I'm going to speak it. And we're going to let it fall where it's going to fall. Amen. And when God speaks, how many know? Most people know, hey, I think that's, I think that's the Lord. You know, most Christians aren't dumb. Most people, they, they, they know what's hype and what's real. I mean, no, if you got any, if you got a, an ounce of the Holy Ghost in you, you can discern things. But the problem is too many times if you get around a whole bunch of this nonsense, it lulls you into sleep, it affects you. It'd be like, how many, you know, have ever had some, some sleeping stuff, you know, take a sleeping pill? I thought I was taking an Advil one time and it was, no, it was like one of those things that make you help you go to sleep. I, I can't remember what, it's an all natural sleep stuff, you know. And me and my wife was going to do a movie. And, and she, we, she was having a hard time falling asleep. So I thought, well, let's, let's stop here at the store and we'll get you some of that, you know, all natural sleeping stuff. And, and, uh, and we went ahead and bought some Advil too at the same time, you know, and I, because I had a headache. And so we're in the car and I'm popping open these things and I thought I was taking two Advil. I took two of the things you're only supposed to take one of. And we're in the movie, man. I'm like this. I've never seen this movie before. It was a good movie. I'm like, man, I don't want to so sleepy, man. I'm falling asleep doing the stupid movie. Hey, man, I'm thinking, I just wasted my money. I came to this movie. And, and I told my wife, I said, man, I don't know. I've, I've never done that before. Got back out of the car. And I looked. I, didn't, I took the sleeping pills. Listen, if you get around people, amen, these preachers and listening to stuff and around dead people who are asleep, they, they insist they're giving you this sleeping pill. And you're thinking, man, why am I spiritually falling asleep? That's why the Bible tells you, man, you got to be on guard. Watch and be ready. I watch. I mean, I, I have a spirit of discernment. I discern who I'm listening to. I discern what I'm reading. Amen. I don't just read anything and watch anything and listen to anybody. Amen. I know I've got to be accountable and I've got to hear the Lord. And number one, I'm going to tell you, that's why you need to be in the Word of God because if you'll be in the Word of God, you will be able to discern because the Bible says, Jesus said this, my sheep know my voice and they do not know the voice of a stranger. Amen. I mean, know the voice of the Lord. I know the Lord's voice, and I don't need, I don't need to know the voice of a stranger. 
It's amazing if you've ever seen this. It's an amazing thing how a sheep know the voice of their of their shepherd. I was reading this article about a man who was in Israel, and there they were. And he says he, he it was amazing. He said he watched as these three different uh, sheep, uh, 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 flocks of sheep came down to the watering hole. Three shepherds all came together at the same time. They all watered their sheep at the same time. They're there, and he says, all these sheep, they come down from the north, from the east, and from the west. They come down this watering hole, and they're all there. And I mean hundreds of sheep, they're all mixing. Now, it ain't like cattle. How many know? You, can, you get your cattle, they're branded. They don't brand sheep. How do you figure out what belongs to who now? He said it was, it was crazy. And all the shepherds, they're there talking and having a good time and everything. And then they're, you know, helping a few of their sheep, you know. And he said, finally, one of the shepherds just gets up, starts walking off. He gets about uh, 50 feet away from all the sheep and he calls. He made a call. And every one of his sheep automatically started following him. The other two shepherds took off and they called and their sheep followed them. Because they know that he said, I finally understood what it means. A sheep knows the voice of his shepherd. You see, that's why you need to be in the word of God. Because if you're in the word of God, you'll know the voice of the Lord. So when one of these uh, so-called prophets, or we'd call them false prophets, start saying something that's not the voice of God, you'll go, uh-uh, uh-uh, that ain't the Lord. But the one of the problems that Christians have today is they don't read the word. You read your phone more than you do the Word. People read more Facebook. I'm, I'm telling you. Hey, there's nothing wrong with this stuff, but if there's a problem when you read more of that and you put the Word second, third, fourth, fifth. Oh, you know, I have a hard time reading. You don't have a hard time reading that stuff on the computer. The Word. Be in the Word. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to close with this because the question is, how are we ready? How do we watch? How are we ready? Number one, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of the Spirit. Be full of the Spirit. You say, well, how do I get full of the Spirit? Hunger for it. Ask for it. Go down the altar. Amen. Have your hands laid upon you. Pray for it. I pray all the time. God, fill me again. I want more of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Anoint me, Lord God. I'm going to tell you, here is a subtle, it's subtle, it's a lie of the devil, and there's a big, there's a big, uh, and I'm not going to preach this sermon tonight. I've got it for later this week. But there is a, a, a major strategy of the enemy to put down the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And what happens is we live in a world where we need to be full of the Spirit. But in churches now, they, do, they don't want people talking in the Holy Spirit. They don't want, uh, you know, it's just for you personally. Well, let me ask you something. If I only pray in the Holy Spirit personally and the new convert who just got saved doesn't hear anything, how do they know what to get? Hey, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Oh, speaking in tongues, never heard it. Oh, we all speak it. Really, I never heard it. What are you talking about? We had a young girl who got saved just recently, and she was in one of the home groups, and she hadn't been saved more than maybe a month. And she said, um, I hear y'all all the time speaking in tongues. She, she was raised Catholic. She goes, I hear y'all all the time speaking in tongues. She goes, I want that. What do, I, I want it. I want it. Why? Because she'd been hearing us. I mean, it was, she was hearing us pray in tongues at times. She heard us, you know, and there's something stirred up in them. You know what? We're not, a, we're, not, we're not embarrassed of the Holy Spirit around here. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, we're not going to be like they are in the last days. 
Amen. In the last days, they have a form of godliness, form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. That's a dangerous, dangerous thing to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to the Lord. Pray, Lord, fill me. Anoint me, Lord God. Amen. I hunger for you, Lord God. I'm telling you, I was in prayer last year. And I said, Lord, in the early church, you poured out your spirit because the, prophet, the prophetic word of God was this. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. I said, in the early church, you poured out your spirit so strongly. There were miracles everywhere. Signs, wonders, I mean great miracles. I said, we're more of the last days than they were. But I don't see it happening here. I said, God, I don't see, I don't see it. I said, this doesn't add up to me. It doesn't add up why we don't have that great outpouring like the early church did. I said, we need it more. How many believe that the last days church needs more of the Holy Ghost than the early church? It should always grow in more and more. And I said, God, why? And I was so taken aback what the Spirit of God put in my heart. He says, because my people are embarrassed of me. My people do not hunger for me. I was listening to a Presbyterian preacher who got full of the Holy Ghost back in the 1970s. He said there was a charismatic movement going on. And he said, I had preached against the Holy Spirit. I had taught my people this went away with the apostles. He said, I had doctrine, man. He says, and I remember, he says, we had a, a, a man come to a meeting with all these Presbyterian pastors in their denomination. And he was a Presbyterian leader who had got baptized and filled in the Holy Ghost. He said, the man began to talk. He says, I got angry. Couldn't believe this man was talking this way and everything. He said, but then what he did next just blew my mind. He quit preaching. He just started praying over people. He said, people were getting touched by God. He said, I was angry. And the man came up to me and said, son, he said, do you want this? And I, he said, in my mind, I said, I don't want anything to do with it. But he said, in my heart, I said, yes. And I cried out. He said, he laid hands upon me and he shook my world. He said, but I didn't get the gift of tongues. Others did at that time. He said, I prayed and fasted for weeks and then the power came on me in one time. He says, I remember laying out the altar, nobody there, crying, God, I want you. I want your power. I want your anointing. And he said, it was like a wind came through there and boom. Amen. We don't know what it cost our early forefathers, amen, in the Jesus people movement, in the, in the Asusu Street revival. They contended for the Holy Ghost. We come up now and go, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. All right. Well, if God wants to fill me, I guess he will. You want, you want the Holy Spirit? Go after it. You want more of the Spirit of God? You want signs and wonders and miracles? God, you got to get hungry for it. Amen. We got to say, God, I want more. I want more. I want more. Get in that prayer room and pray. God, we don't want a service where you're not there. Moses said that. Moses said, Lord, you are sending me. He said to bring the people in this land, but if you do not go with me, do not send me. If you don't go before me, I don't want to go. And then the Lord says, I'll go before you. And then Moses said, all right, then show me your glory. 
show me your glory. Where's that kind of hunger in the church today? Listen, God wants to do more than just pay your bills. I mean, when is paying bills a miracle? Even sinners pay their bills. But we are so caught up in this money thing. We think that's the great miracle. Oh, God, I'm going to get a miracle. I'm going to be able to pay all my bills. Yeah, you, God says that should just happen. That doesn't have to be a great miracle. I know there's times where you need a miracle financial breakthrough. Don't get me wrong. But why are we crying out for that? We're going to cry out for some. Let's cry out, amen, for a Holy Spirit shaking and fire, amen, that would change our nation. Because it's the last days, and God is looking for people who are empowered and who will be able to express his word and see a revival before he comes. So number one, you've got to be full of the Spirit. You've got to be anointed of the Spirit. Number two, you've got to be full of the Word. The Spirit and the Word. Get into the Word of God. Get into the word, read the word, study the word, and let the Holy Spirit give you revelation because God's word shall go forth and not return void, but accomplish what has been sent to do. Amen? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Lord's word will never pass away. Be in the word, read the word. Amen. Get, just devour the word. Get hungry for the word. I mean, get excited about it. I, 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 made a, I made up my mind. I will read the Bible uh, every page to page in one year. I'm not going to do any more of this. Oh, well, I read the New Testament. Did it. I, I made a decision some years ago. Every year I'm going to go through the Bible again. Every year, amen, every year. It's not that hard. You read about three to four chapters a day, you'll read the Bible in the whole year. You know how long it takes you to read three to four chapters? It don't take you 20, 30 minutes. How, many, how, many, how much time do we waste watching our, 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 our TV shows? Oh, yeah. oh, I can't miss this, can't miss this, can't miss that. I got it recorded, got it recorded. And the word takes second place, third place. What does it mean to be awake and ready? You're on guard. You understand this is spiritual. I'm going to close with this. Everything I'm talking about is spiritual, not of the flesh. If your pastor gets up here and preaches on the end times and he's preaching a word from the Lord, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 63, the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. When I or your pastor or anyone else gets up here and preaches a word from the Lord, it is spirit. It's because the word is spirit. Amen? It is spirit. It's spiritual. When we begin to preach and say, the Lord is coming soon. God has given us a prophetic word. Church, start getting ready. It's a word that only people in their spirit will receive it. If you're in your flesh, you're not going to receive it. You're going to think, oh, that dude's crazy, man. Who did pastor invite? I hope he doesn't invite that guy again, man. That's because he's a cowboy fan. All, you know, people say all kinds of things. But you know what? Here's the truth. If you're in your spirit, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're in the word which is spirit, you'll understand spiritual truths. And I'm telling you, there's too many fleshly baby 
Christians in the world. They may have been in the church for 20 years, but they're still fleshly and they're still babies. Spiritual infants. And we need to mature. The Bible says, when I was a child, I acted like a child in a sense. He said, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hallelujah.